0: in this book a banned books book club where we nicole and eden read a band or challenge book twice a month and discuss its meaning impact and censorship to make it more accessible for all readers this week's book is me and earl and the dying girl by jesse andrews which was published in 2012 and i loved it
1: i loved Um, it too
0: yeah i thought it was just oh (laughs) the best it was such a joy to read uh it was yeah, Eden and I have a cute history with this book. It's not that Listen, cute, but- actually. It's <laughs> not really straight... Mostly we just went
1: to see story. We just saw the movie together.
0: Yeah, when, <laughs> Back it, came when it came out. Came out. Yeah, with our friend, Danny Blade. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, Danny. But- hey, Danny. <laughs> sure, he's listening. Um, but uh, I was really excited to read this book. There's so many books out there about disabilities and about cancer specifically. And mm-hmm. so many of them suck. So, yep. yeah. So this is a, an exciting thing. What was your reaction to the movie, Eden?
1: I before remember we when even we get saw the about movie. Book? I don't even remember why we decided to watch it. It was probably because it was at the Dollar Theater and we yes. wanted, we had something, we needed something to do. Because I remember yes. we went to see, the, see it at the Spanish Fork one. Yeah, we drove. We drove. We drove for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I we mean, were it was Danny's poor recommendation. college.
1: It was Danny's <laughs> recommendation?
0: Yeah, Danny really wanted to see it, and I don't think you and I had even like thought about it.
1: Mm-mm. We didn't know anything about yeah. it. Um, I think we were a little wary of it because of the title, and it was around oh. the time when "Fallen Our Stars" yes. movie was out too. Yes. Um. So both of us were kind of wary of it um but i remember sitting there with like tears coming down my face mm-hmm. at the end of the movie and just thinking wow like i feel so refreshed there there's something about the way yeah it was just like an excellent movie the yes. way it was it was paced and everything the all the acting and all of that and it didn't feel like it was a, a manic pixie dying cancer girl story no. <laughs> um, it very much had a. Um, it was like a coming of age story for yeah. Greg, um, as someone who just like purposefully disconnects from people. Yeah, but yeah.
0: It was. I felt the same way. I walked out. Also, we'll we'll know. We don't have a guest on this episode. It's just me. We meaning. don't. It's just. Yeah. It's just kind of kind of intimate. The context of me seeing that movie was like well, the exact same thing as Eden. When Fault in Our Stars came out, I read it. I remember I was like traveling for a job I did, which was like buying back books from college students. And I was at this hotel and I read Fault in Our Stars. And I remember just being like, this is so stupid. I mean, loves Fault in Our Stars. Please message us. We would love to talk to you about it because I want my mind to be changed. I'm really open Uh to having my mind changed. I don't like carrying this bitterness, but- I was just like, this is, you, this is just a walk to remember more modern without Mm -hmm. switchfoot. Uh, (laughs) And there were just so many things where I was like, this is not accurate at all. This is so
1: stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, cancer was their whole personality. It's like, oh, Augustus? Everything. He's cancer. (laughs) (laughs) They were, they were throwing her throwing that around like it was, it was their zodiac sign, you know? Yeah. (laughs) He's a cancer.
0: Yeah. And it was also like part of their sex appeal with each other because it was like, there's so much strength in their cancer. There's so much humanity in their cancer. And it's like, no, diseases are ugly and horrible, whatever. Anyways, whatever. That's all (laughs) I have to say. So I came into that movie being like, this is going to be so stupid. I walked out, same as Eden, tears going down my face, being like, this is how illness should be written. And this is how those experiences should be written. I wanted to read this book and then I never did until it was on our mm-hmm. list. So yep. thank you for challenging it and banning it. So we got to read it. So forced yeah. us to read it rather.
1: <laughs> oh man, we should uh, do a summary and I can yeah. do that really quick. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm. So me and Earl and the dying girl is about the me who is Greg. <laughs> uh, Greg is, um, a kid who is just trying to survive high school by mm-hmm. not really finding a place for himself. He doesn't have a lot of external um, obstacles in his mm-hmm. life. There are a lot of self-inflicted ones, just internal of just like self-deprecating, calling himself fat, calling himself like really awkward and and all of that. But he and he says that he doesn't have friends. And Earl is a guy that he calls his coworker because they make m- homemade movies together.
0: <laughs> and
1: Earl is from the rough part of town. He is black. He very much has a lot of those external obstacles in his life. And then there is the dying girl, Rachel, mm-hmm. who Greg and Rachel went on like cute little middle school dates when they were in. Hebrew school. Yeah. <laughs> I almost Before said Tor- Torah school. <laughs> <laughs> Torah school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hebrew school. But she is diagnosed with leukemia. And even though they haven't talked in a while, Greg is such a passive character that his mom pushes him to, to befriend Rachel. He's mm-hmm. like, like, think about the... the The good that you can bring into her life in these last, like the this rough time for her, which which feels very realistic. Like I could see any teenager, right? Like if you weren't actually friends with them, but like you were uh, in the same circles years ago, your mom would be like, "Hey, go knock on their door, make sure they're okay." Yeah. And so it's like a really awkward, awkward friendship between Greg and Rachel because they're like, "Oh, we haven't talked in years." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Are you only talking to me because I have cancer?" <laughs> and he's like, "Oh no." Uh-
0: <laughs> but he's also kind of like, "Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> uh-huh. But they they strike up a friendship, and it's just about mm-hmm. Greg navigating Rachel navigating cancer. But even even still, it is you don't get that much from Rachel because you are still through like Greg's mm-hmm. lens.
0: Mm-hmm. and even then yeah. it's like and it, the, the way that they interact with each other is through making these like homemade videos mm-hmm. and the big crux like the big challenge in the thing is will Greg go to college and go to film school or not does mm-hmm. he think he's good enough because he doesn't think he's good enough these things are only for him he doesn't share them with anyone his films that he makes with Earl become kind of like a symbol of how he interacts with the world because it's just it's very private and then The dying girl, Rachel, she kind of forces people, she like shares these videos and she forces Greg out of his shell and it's Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable and he gets really mad at her. It's not like a romantic, beautiful thing. It's very complicated. Even after she's dead, he's still figuring out like, how do I, like, do I go to film school because of Rachel? Is this because Mm -hmm. of her? Am I doing the stuff for her? Am I doing stuff for me? Or is anything, does that anything have meaning? Because Rachel's life really didn't have meaning and she died and yet now it's over. And she didn't do anything fabulous. He doesn't romanticize their friendship more than it was. But it is interesting to see that him choosing to be friends with her forces him to actually interact with life in a sincere way. And you see that struggle. Whereas Earl seems like he is absolutely sincere in every way he interacts with life. Like he's ultra passionate. Mm -hmm. He's really fired up. It's really sad. He's super nice to Rachel. He actually is the first one to do kind things for her when she's in the hospital. Greg has to be Mm -hmm. like kind of pushed. And um, Earl is like, to use the word again, a foil to Greg Uh and helps Earl, helps Greg realize like, just because someone dies doesn't mean you make your life about them. You still have to Mm -hmm. live your own life. Like someone dying doesn't (laughs) doesn't dictate your choices now. That's, that's stupid. Like, they really throw the whole concept of romanticized cancer on its head mm-hmm. and acknowledge that Definitely. like cancer was just ugly and annoying and it was just it was horrible. But mm-hmm. Greg still has to figure out how to live life, but this time he has to figure out how to live it with his heart
1: open yep. to people. Yeah. And without being so passive, like Earl was the one yeah. who shared their videos with Rachel. Yeah. And Yeah. And the fact that Greg doesn't even call Earl his friend. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh, Greg was such a little div. He reminds me of, we're going to use this word, we use this word all the time, he's the quintessential banter boy. Yep, yep. Once again, to quote uh, the <laughs> 2000s made but he... He believes that he doesn't belong in the space that he's living in. He thinks he's better than everybody else. There's a level of ego that's Mm -hmm. way higher. He also, like, the way he talks about women even is so misogynistic. He's always talking about these, like, his fellow students' breasts and the Mm -hmm. girls he thinks are so hot. And he, like, almost uses Rachel to get with these girls, even though he knows he's, like, the nerd and he's chubby and he doesn't have anybody, you know. Like, he puts Mm -hmm. himself down while also using Rachel to get to these people. Yeah, and um, to have like intim like false shared, like intimate secrets or like mm-hmm. emotions with these hot, big busted, big busted, <laughs> busty, <laughs> these hot busty
1: teenage girls.
0: Yeah, <laughs> those big busties. <laughs> um, yeah, he's like the worst, but it's very real, and he mm-hmm. he just overthinks everything, and that's probably why he stays on his own is because he's overthought
1: everything so extremely he's overthought everything and and like he even has to confront like oh rachel might not go to college and she's encouraging me to go to college and just like him playing down the importance of college and everything's like well I, mm-hmm. I don't know if college is for me and blah 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 and it's like where do where do you want to go to college? And Rachel like just looks at <laughs> daggers at him and is like, "What do you mean? Like yeah. I, I'm dying? Like <laughs>
0: yeah. I've stopped treatment, Greg? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That's another thing. Like um, they don't. <sighs> and something that like the movie, I think the movie is a great. Oh yeah, like a yeah, just a f- fantastic movie. But mm-hmm. he. It shows the the stages of grief of someone close to someone dying of cancer, of like him being so angry with her for stopping treatment. And it's like, oh, like you're giving up on life, then like what's the point? Um, it doesn't romanticize like, oh, like this poor sick kid is she's a trooper and she's gonna keep fighting. It's <laughs> like, no, like it's painful and it's hard yeah. and there's no meaning to whether or not she decides to fight it or she decides not to like, it's, it's her choice. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we see, we see how the people around her um, deal with that. Like even with her, her mother and all of that.
0: Yeah. At one point, her mom even says something along the lines that Rachel was never a strong kid. She was never a tough kid. So Mm -hmm. she couldn't be expected to want to keep fighting Mm -hmm. through it. And like, you can tell that the mom is is going through it because she's almost mm-hmm. using Greg. Every time Greg comes over, the mom just kind of says stuff and you don't know if she wants Greg to respond or if the mom is just like using Greg as just ears yeah. for her own thoughts. Um because if my mom said that about me, if I chose chosen not to go through treatment, yeah. I would be like, this is the tougher choice.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is what Gandalf <laughs> said to uh, um, It's another adventure. But you can tell that the mom is grieving that choice, but also acknowledging that there's not another choice. It's just a lot of people who are really sad. And you see Greg also act with selfishness in these moments where he's mm-hmm. not acknowledging all the pain of all these other people. He's just kind of acknowledging his own And then he had, and it's Earl who has to be like, dude, you're being such an idiot. And Earl, I liked how Earl was written because Earl was the one we all were like, he's the best person in this book.
1: Yeah. He's literally
0: the hero of this book. And, um, and I just really, yeah, I loved Earl, but it was like, yeah, I don't know. And it was interesting. Every time Rachel makes a choice. Greg is at first bitter and checks to see how it affects him. And he kind of resents her. Cause now it's more responsibility on him. Like now mm-hmm. I have to make her a film. Now I have to spend time with her. Now I have to do this. Now I have to do that. Even her death was like, there's a little bit of resentment. Cause it's like, Ugh. now I have yeah. to figure out if I really want to go to film school or not. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh-huh. and then he moves through that resentment and gets to that place of like, he's just grateful that he had a friend.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a very yeah, very banter boy. But Earl yeah. is like <laughs> Earl kind of guides Greg through that and Earl Earl didn't ask for it, but like he he just like points out how selfish Greg ha- has been and is being. Yeah. And is not afraid to basically <laughs> fight Greg and punch him and yeah. be like, "Hey, you're being really stupid and selfish." Yeah. This girl is dying and you, yeah. all you can th- do is think about yourself.
0: I was going to say, I do think that they did romanticize his poverty a little bit though. Jesse Andrews mm-hmm. did. It was like, because Greg grew up in like an affluent home with like two academic parents and like, yada, 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 Earl had to have the opposite We had like loads of siblings, a really toxic parent situation, you know, inconsistent parenting mm-hmm. and poverty and a lot of other things like that. And just like, it just, it's, it did feel like, um. They went really hard, but also maybe that's why Greg could feel like he could be safe with Earl because he was so different from him. I don't know, but I I'm always nervous when a white writer has a person of color be a best friend who who has a lot of the stereotypes that mm-hmm. are used to discriminate against said person of color. And yeah. um, but still within that framework, though Earl still came out as like the coolest, yeah, the most helpful, and the most. The wisest of them all.
1: Yeah, and it might be yeah romanticizing that poverty, uh, kind of in another brings thing.
0: wisdom. Yeah,
1: yeah, poverty brings wisdom. It's like no and poverty true just happiness. sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if anything, it actually made me think about Greg's mom because mm. Greg mentioned how Earl had disappeared for a few months, probably dealing drugs, and then ended up not ended up stopping that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that like Greg's mom, <laughs> like just the <clears throat> highlighting maybe some internalized racism on her part, yeah, of just like her-, her pushing Greg to be friends with Rachel when she's dying, but not Earl when he disappeared, and like yeah. Earl was over at their house often, making these silly movies mm-hmm. and. Seeing that, like, this is Greg's only friend that he's brought home from school. <laughs> like, oh, you're not going to have Greg check up on Earl? Like, or yeah. you're not going to check up on Earl? Yeah. And you're only interested in, like, this girl who is dying of cancer? And who so, I, to I your think, ch-
0: like, congregation, because her yeah, mom was in your church congregation. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And it kind of shows, even though this itself is not like a typical romanticizing cancer, but there are characters in it like Greg's mom, who is in a way romantic, like, Absolutely. oh, this is the opportunity for you to do something good with your life, where yeah. they had Earl this whole time, like, they could have <laughs> provided him with like, yeah, a really nice, safe environment, a safe place yeah. to escape from hardships. Yeah. Um,
0: but I'm kind of glad yeah. they didn't do that, though. I'm glad that they didn't use Earl like that, because I think it would have, it would have been too white saviory for me. Mm, like reading yeah, it, it would have blended into that. And I think that Jesse Andrews, the author, <laughs> was uh-huh. prepping us for this to be like this romantic, like, because the background is that Greg and Rachel had had like a flirtation at Hebrew school. So the mom mm-hmm. was setting them up to hang out again. So we as the reader are getting prepared for like this very romantic cancer story. Yeah. You know, a very walk sure. to remember thing. And it falls flat on its face immediately the second Greg walks into the room. And it never yeah. picks back up. But I think like if they had done that whole Earl bit, it would have just been blind, the movie The Blind Side. And, yeah. uh, and that was so, turned out to be a scam. <laughs> yeah, it turned out to be awesome. And so I don't know. Um, this is oh, a question yeah. I guess I have is like, how do you write characters who do live in these stereotypical things, um, settings, um, but you still give them heart and you give them autonomy and all these things how do you write them without um without highlighting that because like I don't feel like Earl had to go deal drugs but maybe yeah. but maybe that is a true thing for Earl I don't know um mm-hmm. like the like in the book Mouse the graphic novel we read people were like you shouldn't write your dad as so um as so tightly and- yeah because mm-hmm. that is such a stereotype of Jewish Uh, men and he was like but my dad was so you need to deal with that and I don't know you know like so that's a question Mm -hmm. I have for today's writers is like at what point are you like okay I'm not going to feed into that stereotype and then another point are you going to be like no this was this is how the story is
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because Earl doesn't quite lean into that stereotype but he also does lean into that like through his poverty and his hardship he is the wisest Mm-hmm. And finds happiness within, you know? So, like, I don't know. I don't know. And even the food, Eden. I was curious how you felt about how they wrote about the different ethnic foods that the dad would bring back from, like, Whole Foods and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so, one of the things was, like, so the dad is, like, on sabbatical for his anthropology, whatever his teaching he uh-huh. Um And he'd bring back, like, really specific ethnic foods from like whole foods or from like different farmers markets and they'd just be in the fridge and no one liked them. It smells so bad. They w- w- really made like a whole, the whole thing about it except mm-hmm. for Earl, whenever Earl would come over, he'd eat them with the dad and they'd like bond over it. And Earl really loved like specifically like Asian film and he loved Asian foods and not to totally group that entire, all those different cultures together, but that's kind of how they did that. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, and so that was like his bonding with the dad. I, I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was fun, and I thought it was cute, and I thought it was very real. I was like, yeah. But I, the way that they talked about these different foods was like so offensive at certain points,
1: and I was like, is this twenty twelve it or? Yeah. it, it feels very twenty twelve, it, it feels yeah. very. It feels very. I'm trying not to be offensive, but like, it feels very white people, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: That's okay. You, I think that's an and okay that's, thing to say. We've, yeah. we've leaned into a certain uh, authority on how to talk about other people's food as white people. And it's yep. often very mean.
1: Yeah. Yep. So it felt very realistic. And, and and that's what I wanted to point out about the mom too earlier. Not that yeah. I wanted her to be like a white savior. Yeah. yeah but yeah, yeah. she felt like a very realistic white person, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And we even there's a teacher at the school who is like oh, the
1: history teacher who's like
0: Yeah, who has like pho and uh-huh.
1: I guess the kid it's like, like the pho is the oracle or whatever.
0: Yeah, he's like very spiritual about pho. But I could totally see that person existing uh-huh. and being in a school and being really into this like specific Vietnamese soup <laughs> and they yep. bring uh-huh. it all the time. Yeah, and he like has taken Greg and Earl under his wing kind of and he's like a mentor in a way, but I don't know if he was that important to the story at all, except Mm -hmm. that he made it so that they graduated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I did think it was helpful though, that Greg was about to fail all of his classes. He got really despondent and Mm -hmm. uh, near the end when Rachel was getting really, really sick. And I don't know if she'd already passed away, but he wasn't going to school at all. His depression was really bad. He just didn't know how to deal with all these emotions. Mm-hmm. To me, that felt very, very real. Like, I would kill yeah. the fault in our stars for those kids to fail their classes or to drop yep. out of school or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they did, but.
1: Yeah. it was like to, to, yeah. to contrast this with another John Green book, the um, Looking oh. for Alaska, you know? Yeah. We talked about how it felt kind of rushed, the end yeah. of Looking for Alaska, how he, like, came to these
0: conclusions <laughs> yeah. really quick.
1: Yeah. Whereas, yeah, me, Erlen, and a dying girl, it felt much more realistic of like, yeah, he just stopped going to classes. It's just- Yeah. He had to navigate through the first really hard thing in his life.
0: I remember when my sister first, we found out that she had kidney failure and she was rushed to the hospital. And I was a senior in high school and she went to the ER or the ED, the emergency department. Um, And we like genuinely didn't know if she was going to make it. And uh, my parents left and I was home alone. And I remember going to school the next day because I didn't know what else to do. And I barely made it through the first two hours. I just bawled for two hours straight. I finally went home. And then my grandparents came over and I remember that whole rest of that week is like a blur because I'd show up sometimes for school if I couldn't handle being alone because I was just alone at the house. Mm -hmm. And then I'd have friends of mine drive with me to the hospital or I'd go with my grandparents to the hospital to visit Karina. But I just, it was such a blur. Like, I don't know how I managed like, there were so many things that got completely left out of that senior year. Like, I was supposed to audition for all state Jazz choir, did not prepare at all for that audition, showed up, uh-huh. hid in the bathroom the whole time. So I was like, I didn't prepare because I just didn't even think about doing it, uh-huh. you know? But, like, thinking about that, like, there were just so many moments where I was like, how did I – how was I not even, like, present? I should have yeah. – everyone else was practicing for the last six months. I didn't do anything. And – It was a miracle that I, like, I survived. I showed up and one of my teachers was like, where have you been for the last two weeks? And I was like, my sister's been in the hospital. And they were like, oh, okay. I even ended up, like, cheating on something because, like, I just wasn't present. Like, I just had to get stuff done. My senior year was a mess. And I think that that is just, as someone who loves someone who's ill, I cannot imagine being in that situation. So when they wrote about Greg not being able to cope, Mhm <laughs> that was so real to me, because yeah, I don't know how I don't know, and that those yeah. feelings of the confusion, I didn't learn anything beautiful during that time, I didn't grasp anything beautiful about the meaning of life, I didn't you know nothing like that came to mm-hmm. me at all, and then I came and met Eden freshman year of college, after yeah, that. but like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so something great came out of it, but that well, would have <laughs> happened without Karina getting sick. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> yeah. that. But that's like how a lot of writers are, is they are like, but then this beautiful silver lining happened. It's like, that could have happened without that person getting sick. Like, those mm-hmm. things are not related. That's not related mm-hmm. at all. That person could have been alive. I, I truly hate the romanticization because I think it makes us take illness less seriously, And it takes away the empathy and compassion we have for people who are in those situations. I like, because it's like, well, at least they're going to get something beautiful out of this. They're going to learn something beautiful. Uh, Yeah. No, there is no silver lining when someone is sick. There's no reason, rhyme or reason to it. It's -hmm. just sometimes our bodies fail us. And that's just what living on earth is like.
1: That's what being human is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no we shouldn't attach meaning to it, like kind of like mouse too. Just like people trying to attach meaning to survivors. Yeah, attaching meaning to an awful thing that's just happening to your body, just because. Yeah, yeah, and cells are growing too fast, or yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah, something just isn't working, and we don't know why. You can't, you cannot control it, and that's the the nature of life, like the world of health. Of health problems. The world of being sick is so much more complex and nuanced than A Walk to Remember, even though we love that movie. Um, (laughs) Pitfall in Our Stars. And this book, I think, scratched the surface of that. And I was Mm -hmm. so grateful. I was so relieved because I was like, yeah, I would be happy to have this. This book and some Joan Didion work, like The Year of Magical Thinking, scratched the surface on on people dying, which was like in a very realistic way that I was just so grateful. So thank you so much, Jesse Andrews, for.
1: Yeah, I think it's like such an important book for YA. Like, I feel like a lot of meaning books come for adults, but like this is such a realistic, helpful way for young adults who might be going through similar things, or who might not even be going through similar things, just to have the empathy, yeah, uh, and understanding of what it could be like to experience death.
0: Yeah. And with today's, um, suicide rates, I think a lot of teenagers more so than ever before, or maybe it's just today's transparency about death and suicide Mm -hmm. are experiencing grief and loss. I mean, in high school was the first time I lost a friend to death and so to suicide specifically. And I would have loved to have a book that walked, that helped me understand that it was okay for me to feel numb and for me to be like, yeah, this is stupid. That Mm -hmm. loss was like, I'm not learning anything from that loss. And I think that's something that's been hard for me when I've lost friends to whether it's disease or suicide is I wanted to find meaning and I haven't felt like I could get closure until I found meaning and Mm -hmm. learning that there is no meaning sometimes actually does provide a lot of closure.
1: Yeah. There's a, like the unhelpful mantras that people often say to others like oh Ugh. like this happened for a reason yeah. or god needed an extra angel yeah just, like That's those are not yeah
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> the absolute worst it's like did he did he love... <clears> though <throat> uh-huh
1: <clears throat> i gotta look up this one book that i read that was really fantastic <sighs> the book is called when bad things happen to good people and it's written by harold s kushner who is a rabbi um, who his three-year-old son was diagnosed with a degenerative disease. This book was just basically walking through him trying to find meaning, but realizing there is no meaning behind yeah. his son having this disease. Yeah. And so he actually offers like really helpful phrases and terms to use to talk to people oh, in times that. of consolation. And so, like, he specifically points out, like, hey, this is not helpful to say, yeah. well, these things happen for a reason. It's like, no, you're telling me that my three-year-old son, who his life yeah. expectancy will be in the teens, yeah. that that's happening for a reason, that it's going to make me a better person? No, I would kill to have more time with my son than to have this so-called meaning in my life. yeah. And why do you um, have to
0: have it? Not other people. That's the question. Yeah, I'm always exactly. like, why, why,
1: <laughs> why me? Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a great book. I um, want to read
0: that. That's a good recommendation.
1: That'd yeah. be helpful.
0: I think a lot about this. I don't think that there's meaning attached to suffering. I don't think if you suffer more, you have better meaning. I do mm-hmm. think though, to use um, man's search for meaning, um, the Victor mm-hmm. Frankel book, um, uh, cause he's a Holocaust survivor forever. And he talks about how he found meaning through the Holocaust. Um, I, th- I think you can find meaning by, by seeking life and by still mm-hmm. choosing to wake up in the morning and get dressed and live and be involved with other people. I think that mm-hmm. there can become a lot of meaning in living and trying to live well and kindly with compassion. And I think that gets misconstrued with finding meaning in suffering. But I do think like, I, I think suffering can build compassion. For those who are like, well, I did learn a lot through my suffering. Absolutely, you did. All of us do. Mm-hmm. But the suffering, I don't think, is necessary. I don't think the, the suffering we inflict on other people is necessary for their own learning. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, and, and to tie it back to the book, like yeah. Earl has that monologue at the end of just like, hey, you, you need to keep living. You can't just stop living for yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to show up for people. You need to show up for yourself. You can't make decisions based on what Rachel wanted. You have to decide for yourself and stop being such a passive person in your life and be more active.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think- And choosing,
1: like you said, choosing life and continuing to live.
0: Yeah. I think, and that what's beautiful is, yeah, at the end of the book, he is wrestling with that question how does Mm -hmm. he memorialize rachel and how does he live do you think you'd be friends with any of these people in real life (sighs) including the
1: mothers
0: yeah (laughs) and the pho obsessed teacher
1: i think i'd be so weirded out by the pho obsessed teacher oh for sure he he had all those like mantras like true like what's a that's a real truth or whatever you or Ugh. I don't remember do you remember He's that
0: like, he has, yeah he has like the makeup of like someone who would definitely cross boundaries with his female students I'm sorry <laughs> I'm not saying he did but you know it's like always those guys who are like do, who think that they are doing like the best good that always cross boundaries and don't realize it and they're, like but that wasn't my intention and it's like yeah uh-huh. <laughs> rein it in
1: Yeah, I think to a degree, (laughs) I I feel like I related to Greg in a lot of ways. Whoa. In in the passivity, in the not taking like an active part in my life. I I often had to be pushed to do things in school or I was putting mental limitations on myself, like fake limitations on myself because of who I thought I was. Um, Yeah. Whether that came from like poor self-esteem or just not having the the introspection to to recognize my own strengths. Mm. And there were a few times I think that that one teacher did tell Greg's like, hey, like high school feels like everything right now. But like wait till college because college is where you find yourself and yada, yada, yada. And that was the case for me of just like coming to college, um, having the ability to just being exposed to more ideas mm-hmm. and having more reflections of seeing myself, seeing mirrors of myself and being like, Oh, like i I'm starting to recognize those strengths in myself now.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow, that's yeah. I just remember a lot of report cards that said reluctant to participate. Like <laughs> even now I still feel like a Greg where I am very much like surface level with a lot of groups in my life. Yeah. And you're just my coworker, so
0: <laughs> gosh, I was hoping we were gonna establish that. I was hoping I was gonna <laughs> really learn my value yeah. to you. <laughs> cool. But I like, didn't think uh, you were one of my best friends. You're just a coworker. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool.
1: You're right. <laughs> but yeah, like college is where I came to like having close friends and like best yeah. friends and stuff like that where Previously and even now, I still have just, like, people who are on the outskirts and, like, I can talk to very easily and very approachable, I've been told. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But I think, like, being approachable, it means I can be friends with a lot of people, but, like, intimate with very few.
0: Yeah. But I do see what you're saying with Greg, too, because he was very approachable. Everyone could, like, make Mm -hmm. jokes with him. Everyone could, mm-hmm. like, in- engage with him. But the second they, like, got too close with him, he'd, like, freak out. Like, there was a part yeah. where a theater guy was, like, identifying yeah. with Greg or something. And Greg was, like, I'm not a theater person. And he, like, really yep. <laughs> panicked because he, like, didn't want to uh-huh. be in that clique. He was very mm-hmm. afraid of being a part of cliques. I think I do think, though, that, like, as we get older, choosing who we want to be intimately acquainted with and not, I wonder if that's like feeling you feeling passive in that, or if you're feeling active, like you're the one choosing to be yeah. close with all these groups, or if you feel like it's more of a passive thing.
1: Yeah, I think it it feels more active as I'm growing up. Yeah. Whereas it, in high school, I felt more passive of just yeah um, yeah. Like I, I remember talking to my Greg, <laughs> my spouse Greg. <laughs> Where I'm just like, I think in high school I was just a closet theater kid. And I wish I was in theater, but I was too shy and like didn't want to be associated with theater kids. Right. Right. Uh, Where watching theater camp, I'm like, I kind of wish I did that.
0: (laughs) I (laughs) I kind of wish I'd
1: went to theater camp and like (laughs) had those moments of being attached to
0: any sort of intense branding in high school really stressed me out too. Like the theater thing. I participated in theater, but I didn't tell anyone. And I would ch- be really choosy about which plays I would audition for because I like, wanted to make sure I wasn't a regular, which is uh-huh. so silly because what else was I doing? And mm-hmm. I like, I, because the branding was so intense for me, whereas yeah. that, yeah. And I felt that way about a lot of the activities where I was like, I'm not part of that branding. I can't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't, mm, I can't have that on yeah. me, on my, you know. <laughs> um that's interesting I don't think I identify with any of the characters to be honest (laughs) probably (laughs) mostly his mom where I'm like nosy Uh about things like that and I'd probably just like very much because I want my son to look good I'd be like you should go hang out with Rachel maybe you'll change Uh her life maybe you'll fix Uh it I could totally (laughs) see myself doing that if I'm not careful which is so scary but (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I' like a lot of the the cliche white people stuff, even the dad with his like ethnic foods I was like, that's so me if I'm not careful. I've gotta I've gotta, <laughs> I've gotta, I've gotta watch myself so that was a good mirror for me to be like Ugh, no. uh, 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 cringe. <laughs> What's interesting also is this book had a lot of raving reviews when it was released and a lot of mixed reviews. A lot of people felt like felt like Jesse Andrews was trying to be funny and sad at the same time that it was too conflicting. Something I, which I agree, there were times when I was like, just be quiet, just be quiet. (laughs) Um, And there are other times when I, I was like, oh, this totally works because this kid clearly doesn't know how to let himself be sad. So he's ending everything with like a little joke. And so I thought Mm -hmm. that was realistic. Um, If you've been with people who don't know how to deal with emotions, I'm one of those people who ends every sad thing with a joke because I can't, sit in it with another person with myself I can but with other people Mm -hmm. I have a hard time and so those mixed reviews I thought were very fair (laughs) I did find Greg annoying sometimes though and I think I was supposed to Mm -hmm. I think so yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. and there are times when I want to be like Greg just change just be better because I'm mourning I'm feeling sad and you're not doing what I want you to do and so I like the involvement I was feeling while I was reading was amazing like, I don't often yeah. get that way where I wanted to jump in and just do like a take on me, aha music video and just shake this character and fix <laughs> them, you know?
1: Uh huh. And I think Earl hitting <laughs> yes. hitting Greg is very cathartic is like a- for me. <laughs> super cathartic. Yeah. Because you're like, yeah, that's what I wanted to do yeah. too, Earl. I'm so like- mad. I don't have any other thoughts to say. Do you have thoughts? I don't. This, I did read that Jesse Andrews wrote the screenplay, too. Oh, that's my way. Book. It was so good. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah.
0: I was curious about the... I thought everyone was cast so well, but in the book they made, it such a big deal that Greg was moderately overweight, and mm-hmm. like that was such a big part of how Greg saw himself, and they cast a very skinny dude for the movie. Mm-hmm.
1: That was me in holes. Do you remember that? I remember yes. oh, yeah. Stanley. Stanley was meant to be like an overweight kid. Yeah. And like lost a ton of weight because of the physical labor that they were doing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then they cast Shia, who's now Catholic.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know out. that.
0: Yes. Let's look at um Let's, let's look, look at why, why I was
1: banned. Yeah. Well, any guesses before we look that up? I I wrote There's down a part guesses. in
0: the book where they talk about they make jokes about masturbation. I hate when mm-hmm. teenage boys talk about that, but um Yeah talked about that they also made a lot of sexual jokes they did um, when they were like joking with each other and there's a lot of language stuff mm-hmm. So that's why i think it was banned
1: Like there's a lot uh, of same. profanity a lot of profanity greg does get caught with porn oh uh, yeah
0: that was awkward
1: super awkward. i could never be a parent that's what i'm learning no yeah well, as a no, parent, cool. just, don't, <laughs> just don't let them have computers in their room and you can avoid a lot of awkward things, yeah. I think. yes, <laughs> Or phones then. Yeah, phones. I oh. think, yeah, we have a, I know my child's only three, but we have a no screens rule in her bedroom. Oh, I love that That we rule. will carry on through the rest of her life. I love that. The ALA said Me and Earl and the Dying Girl was seventh most banned <laughs> and challenged book in 2021.
0: So recently, like 11 years after, or nine years after.
1: And tied for the 10th most banned in Challenge Book of 2022. In late 2023, the book was removed from 20 library shelves in Georgia. Wow. Um, The school district said that they presented highly inappropriate sexually explicit content the Cobb County Association of Educators said that media specialists were being interviewed about when and why they had bought the books and that the interviews may be a prelude to being fired. Oh, oh my gosh. goodness.
0: She said it's costing people's jobs. Like It's one thing to be like, hey, we have a new set of guidelines for this library or for our county about what books are allowed. So just FYI. But it's just saying, like, everything that's happened in the past, you're all guilty for, even though we didn't even have those rules. Like, yeah. you can't just make up new rules and then fire people retrospectively. Is that the word? Right. There's this art- article in the Brunswick News, originally written in the Ar- Atlanta Journal-Constitution. But it talks about this banning, and I guess that it started with Lasseter High School removing the Scarlet Letter. And the reason why they said it was removed was just because they had so many old copies, they were renovating the library with newer copies of classics. Um, uh-huh. But that's like really confusing. And it also said that um, they're taking out books that just aren't often used by students, which I think is like a school library. There's limited space. You want the books yeah. to be the books that kids are reading. But it's really interesting because it, the books that they're choosing, it's very sneaky because the books they're choosing to remove are mm. books that are also cited by the same institution as having like too much adultery and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, but there it's the same group that is taking out the, uh, meat earl and the dying girl because of its sexual explicitness. Um, mm. so that, it's just a mess. It feels like a very messy conversation. I'd like to sit down because I don't, like, this is unclear even then, <laughs> this yeah. article. Is it being taken out because no one's reading it? And you're just saying, also, it's sexually explicit? Or is it being taken out because it's sexually explicit and then you're using the the reference? And like, well, uh, no one rented it in the last yeah. two weeks. Borrowed it in the last but two then, weeks. But then, like, so these, I don't know.
1: these interviews make it sound like...
0: Yeah, so I'm confused, and I don't know how it's being reported. That's the thing. I don't. I'm so curious. Not that I'm giving everyone the benefit of the doubt, but I'm like, yeah, it's totally reasonable to make, to modernize your school library and make sure it has all the books that kids want to read.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But also, yeah. it's like, I don't know. That's complicated.
1: And no one's actually having sex in it. They're just no. They're it's just boys, talking, boys about- talking
0: and being gross. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is why Nicole Teenage boys are never gross, dated yeah. anyone in high school. Also, no one really asked her. But also, she That's- never really dated high school.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I was
0: too busy pretending not to be in school plays. Uh, uh, well, things? now my mind
1: is on that where like a boy might have asked you to, out to go see the school play, and you're like, "Oh, I can't, I can't." And then you're, or you or you do that like do that switcheroo <laughs> where <laughs> you're on stage. I- but then I've got to use the bathroom. Yeah,
0: <laughs> switch into my makeup, uh-huh. stage makeup. Um, yeah, that was exactly what happened all throughout high school, Eden. Yeah. you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea what I went through. Um, a big takeaway for me is when someone is sick or when someone's going through insurmountable loss. Uh, oh. Don't give them those like empty platitudes. Just give them that. I'm so sorry, and hug, and that's yep the simplest thing. That's pretty thing much all the is yeah. all that matters. Just being seen when you're going through something hard is all that matters. And I would love if any of our listeners wanted to share what they um either on our Instagram posts of of this episode or on our or via email, just or Facebook, whatever. Just share what words you like to hear, so we can put together like a list of like to help people kind of know Mm. a little not a script but just a guide on how to yeah what words to say when comforting people
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and i'll post a link to the when bad things happen to good people
0: yes i'm putting that in my goodreads list of what to read
1: Yeah. yeah okay okay cool all right thanks everyone
0: thank you everyone
1: Burn this book is produced by us, Nicola Corrin and Eden Wen.
0: Music by myself, Nicole, and performed by my
1: dad, Frank.